Welcome to Openly Gamer Theater presents The Golden Box, a screenplay high plane samurai scenario. My name is Eric, and I am the director. This is Shannon, and I am writing the role of Vendetta Black. I'm Brandon, and I'll be playing Kaze Sora. And I'm Aaron, and I'll be writing the role of Mr. Runsitter. We are playing a game of screenplay. The setting is High Plains Samurai. Screenplay is an RPG where the players and game master work together to create a cooperative story that when completed could be used as a workable script. It's a little bit different than your standard pen and paper role-playing games in that you are supposed to think of this as you are controlling a section of a movie. Your characters are being controlled by you in this movie, but you control the cameras too. So whenever it's your turn, you can say, camera is focusing from a bird's eye view as I walk through the street, that kind of thing. You can you can totally do any of that stuff. We actually sat down and we hashed out some of the preliminary stuff, so I'll just kind of briefly go over that. Part of the game is setup, and setup is very important in this game. We decided that the genre or setting that we're going to use is the High Plain Samurai setting, which is a kind of a mashup of the Usha action, post-apocalypse, westerns, also kind of like some gangster tropes. There's It's just a lot of, of your action movie kind of mashed up into one thing. There are cities that have very distinct personalities. We are going to set this scene in the city of Hunan, which is a frontier city on the border of the wasteland. It's a mining town, but it's also very traditional. It is ran by a man who goes by the name of Grandfather, and he is the boss of the town. His guys, his police force, or just his goons, are called watchdogs. They are grandfather's gunmen, and they are fabled marksmen. Everybody knows that the watchdogs are like the best of the best. We also decided that tone and rating for this is going to be kind of an over-the-top action with levity and some serious undertones, and that we weren't going to break PG-13. Stylistic-wise, we're going to have a third-person narrator, but also have some inner monologue. We also agreed on the plot, which is that you are a group of opposing bounty hunters. You're in a showdown with a legendary hunter who has beaten you to your shared target. Each of you is from a different city and you are acting in the interest of your respective city. Where is Vendetta Black from? Monsoon, which is the city of ruins. City of ruins in the jungle. Think of like a jungle, a ruined jungle city in like Tarzan. Kazisora, where are you from? Yongji. That is a very, like... Is that like a Hong Kong type area? Sort of, yeah. It's very dense, urban. So you're doing a lot of, like, parkour and, and like, jumping from the top of, of skyscrapers and stuff like that. Where is Mr. Runsitter from? I, I believe he's from the city of Rust. Yes, the city of Rust, which is a technological... It's like a... Uh, mad scientist. Mad scientist place, it. yeah. Everyone there is an engineer, and we all just use junk to MacGyver everything together. And You need a bridge? I got some string. <laughs> <laughs> some string in a packet of juice. So once we've determined that, that's all the setup, then we determined what our key initiatives are. And in, in game terms, what that means is that the scene is going to be set and some aspects or details within the scene are determined by the, the writers and the director. So here's what we decided on the key initiatives. The employers for this mission are a scorned lover of the mark, a former business partner of the mark, or an outbid buyer. So whatever the mark has that he possesses that grandfather is, is looking for, somebody else had bid on it as well, but lost out. I'll go with the outbid buyer. Your, your city leader bid on this item, which is called the golden box, lost out on the bidding, and now you were sent to go get it, get him and it. What was the other one that wasn't the scorn lover? Uh, a former business partner of the mark. So whoever helped him either develop it or find it or whatever he did to get it, 
he cut out his business partner and took off. I'll do the lover if you want to do that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the one I wanted to do. Thank you. All right, now. The, Everybody else's is so much more important than mine. <laughs> yours is just, yeah. Just, but I take it way more serious. Well, because. Yeah, yours is like, the, your, your employer is like, I don't even really care about the box. I just don't want him to have it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> isn't, isn't our our employer still our city, right? Yes, yes. Our, and our are, city sent us. Yes. So your city boss or someone high influential in your city sent you. One of the other key initiatives that was determined is that there is a rival bounty hunter. The rival bounty hunter is named Kilmore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and he is a living legend. He is actually the greatest bounty hunter in the known lands. And he is from Hunan. And grandfather sent him to go and recover the golden box. And he did. And he has brought it to Hunan to present to grandfather. You've been on his tail since he got it. And you've been hounding it. And he's finally gotten to his destination when you catch up to him. Kilmore knows that uh, that because throughout his journey, you have been dogging him individually, unbeknownst to each other. Now, the other key initiative that was determined was that the Mark, who is named Marco Portune, it was decided that he is not necessarily good at what he does. He is just a lucky bastard. He is bumblingly lucky. He just falls ass first into success. It was also determined that he's fundamentally a good person. So the scorned lover, maybe he didn't even realize that he scorned this lover. Maybe he didn't even know that they were lovers. Yeah. Like you, know? <laughs> um, you know, the, the former business partner, he just thought this person was helping him out. He didn't know he was actually the person expected a cut. Mm. You know, these kind of things. And also that he is an alchemist on the run. Scientist or alchemist. Something about this box does some sort of mystical has maybe has some mystical properties or something you are all converging on a high-end hotel lobby where kilmore has brought portune to deliver him to grandfather's agent kiki kiki is a renowned crazed killer and bodyguard who is actually literally the granddaughter of grandfather kilmore is bringing marco to grandfather giving him to kiki grandfather's goons are guarding the lobby of the hotel the goons are only loyal to Grandfather and Kiki. They are not loyal to Marco. The other aspect is that Kilmore knows that there have been attempts to steal Portoon before delivery, and he expects a final attempt before Marco is handed over. We decided the armed with facts I could use with uh, the Oracle to have an item that I want to have. Yep, so, so go ahead. So I'm going to use my Oracle power with my armed with facts to go ahead and buy uh, two train tickets as my pre-item. Oh, the pre-scenario item. Pre-scenario item. item yeah. that, and it'll come into play. That some. I know I'm going to need two train tickets some point in this adventure. Gotcha. The fading brown light of the flickering headlamp danced along the rain-slick cobblestone bridge as Mr. Runsitter's motorized cycle rattled toward the center of town. The Hotel Hunan was a jewel, a grand centerpiece in the mining city that shared its name. Even in the pouring rain, Runsitter could see what all the hoopla was about. The hotel was a two-story palace of stacked white stones with glowing red lanterns dangling from the ceramic tiles that made up its roof and awnings. The cobblestones of the old road and the paves of the wide courtyard in front of the ancient building were treacherously slick, causing Runsitter to slow his cycle down to a crawl. Large men in water-resistant raincoats stood vigil beneath the awning of the front entryway. Runsitter took note of both their matching attire and manner, no doubt watchdogs. The elite marksmen of Hunan, who were renowned for their accuracy, as well as their fanatical devotion to the city's patriarch, Asako Tom, also known as Grandfather. 
Grandfather. Such an innocuous moniker. Deceptive. Though it is merely speculation, I believe that Tom gave himself the name. Likely, it was originally used to hoodwink his enemies into underestimating him. At this point, it's merely an ironic contrast. His nasty reputation for outright brutality has reached every corner of the One Land, including my home of Rust. Anyone who threatens Grandfather's hold over Hunan is met with a terrible fate, usually at the hands of Kiki, his psychotic adopted daughter. Both door guards seemed immune to the downpour as they watched the motorized cycle slowly squeal to a stop beside the low, latticed fence in front of the Grand Hotel. Runsitter dismounted and absently lashed his decaying transport to the fence as his goggles activated, glowing a sickly green in the gloom. I'm something of a builder, as are most of the citizens of Rust. Living in a junk town, you learn to cobble together this and that, mostly for necessity or functionality rather than aesthetics. My motorped was a prime example of this. It was designed to get me to my destination. Once that was accomplished, it didn't really matter that it began to deconstruct. My Magni goggles, on the other hand, those were different. They augmented my visual acuity across several spectrums. In this instance, they allowed me to not only clearly see the guards out front, but also those lurking on the wraparound porch of the second story. Unlike their partners at the door, they did not conceal their compact submachine guns. They wore them openly slung at their sides, allowing them quick access should the need arise. Mr. Runsitter. What potential are you using here? I'm going to use Clever. Clever? And that gives you how many uh, details? Three details with a D8. Okay. And I'm going to use one of my resources. I'm going to, while I'm hitching my broken motorbike up to the... <laughs> Hooking your trash up to the post. Yes. <laughs> to the post. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to predict the future. And so one of my details is going to be that I'm going to, that in five minutes time, a group of foreigners from Monsoon are going to come up to the front guards and, and cause a ruckus. Okay. And so I'm going to spend some time talking them up and getting on their side so when this happens I can help put it down and then I'll be in good with the guards. One of the large guards stepped forward in an effort to halt Runsitter as he approached the front of the hotel. I'm sorry sir, the hotel is closed for a private party. Oh, I, I'm sorry, I, did, I didn't know, I'm, I'm new to town. Um, could you uh, perhaps point me in a place to stay? As he starts to describe, you know, how to get to a lesser hotel, a group of people come walking up. They're loud and look like they're having a little bit too good of a time. Some of them are in uh, fatigues. They start making noise amongst the guards. I, I did not know that you had uh, such hooligans in your in your town. I mean, are, are they part of this private party? Because maybe I don't want... Go ahead and roll your clever. I'm going to try to get the resources here, right? So yep. I used my resource, so I get a step up to a step up, right? Not a damage bonus, but it... Correct. Okay. You are stepping... You're using your resource for a step up on your clever. So that goes from a D8 to a D10. Yes. Uh, but the target number stays the same. Okay. So it's still a, a five? Yes. Okay. And I rolled a two. So I get to pick my complication. Yes, you get to pick your complication. So you do not succeed, but are you? it's not uh, It's not effective. It works because there's no failure. It okay. works. So yeah, they're, they're definitely on edge, but it's not quite as effective as you thought. So how about as my complication, I say it a little too loudly and the group of people, one of them attacks me. Or accosts you. Yeah, accosts Okay, me. so we've got Monsoon Soldier as part of a group and he overhears you. Now he steps forward and he's now in your face. Oh, you got a problem. Yes, I do, actually. You're loud and belligerent, and why are you here? What's the complication you're adding? Is is? Uh, well, I was going to have him actually <laughs> punch me in the face. You, you actually have him punch <laughs> you in the face? It's still your turn. Okay. So the monsoon soldier, you you can give up the rest of your details, and or you can add some more details, but then you could pass it on to the monsoon soldier. You finish your turn before other people act. Okay, okay. 
Well, actually, so so I'm going to go ahead and uh, say that he just hits me, punches oh, me. Okay. And I take it stoically, and that impresses the guards. Uh, he hits- I guess this isn't much of a complication since I'm using it. <laughs> well, the the thing is, you're giving up an automatic hit, so you're going to yeah. take one stamina of damage okay. from the punch. That's fine. But it's Get not- rid of that stamina, bro. Okay, so that's one stamina spent just uh, to soak up a hit, and uh, never heard of anybody purposely getting hit in the face. <laughs> you haven't played with me before. Since he's using stamina, would that kind of cancel out the complication? Really, it is. You got punched in the face. There's no lingering damage. If you wouldn't have spent the stamina, then there maybe you would have broke your nose, yeah, or okay. some, a bloody lip, or maybe something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm gonna pass it over okay. to the guards then. Runsitter staggered back a step and into the arms of the door guard. Instinctively. The watchdog protectively positioned himself between the ruffians and the doddering old man. His partner stepped up to the agitated soldier. From his body language, it seemed apparent that tensions were to a boiling point, and that suited Runsitter just fine. Kaze Sora sat a bar stool like a perched bird of prey. The tawny-maned bounty hunter was strategically positioned so that he could see beyond the opulent barroom's wide archway and into the lobby of the hotel. Smoldering hard eyes, shaded by the brim of his hat, picked out patterns and details of the crowd. The bar was packed wall-to-wall with patrons, making it difficult to monitor the traffic. In an attempt to blend in, Kaze wrapped his knuckles on the bar. Whiskey. He pours it, slides it right to you. So I'm kind of leaning on the bar. A lot of uh, extra security tonight, isn't there? You're doing your keeping it cool, trying to uh, get information. So go ahead and roll your keep it cool. What's your target number for this? That's the middle number. Five. That's an eight-sider, right? Yeah. So five, six, seven, eight, okay? You can actually spend a stamina to bump it from an eight-sider to a ten-sider. Your target number stays the same. If you get over the target number, then you can add a complication. If you fail below target number, then I give you a complication. I'll use, even though I think this is bad because it's really good to keep these for a long time because... Yeah, it's also really your quick. health, correct. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I'll use one. All right, that is the sound of stamina being drained. Oh, my. So it's a failure? Yeah, it's a three. With yeah. an odd number. Ineffective with an odd number. The target character chooses the complication for you. If you would have rolled an even number, then you could have given yourself a complication. The complication he gives on you is mysterious stranger. What that means is it's locked on you until you spend a stamina to get rid of it or you use one of your actions to get rid of it. You asking why there's security and what's going on tipped him off that you aren't local. So you can, uh, on your next action, you could either spend a stamina to get rid of it or you have to use one of your actions to get rid of it. So I could use like another potential. Well, on your next turn. Yeah, that's what I mean. Really, you've only used two actions. So you still have another action. So you could use the last action to get rid of this complication. Yeah, I'll do that. He kind of looks at you weird like, where are you from, buddy? That's the look on his face he gives you. I was greeted by two guards outside. Usually when I stay in town, I'm not met at the door with armed guards. I took the whiskey and slammed it back with quick toss. It wasn't until the glass banged back on the bar that I realized what the barkeep gave me went down way smoother than it should have. My first instinct was that he'd slipped me something, but the deep burn of the top shelf alcohol told me that my concern was unnecessary. Why would a bartender upgrade my drink? I gave him a sideways look and he instinctively took a step back. I was just about to question him when I noticed something. Reflected in the mirror behind him, I caught a glimpse of a pair of uniformed guards stepping into the bar. 
From my vantage, the mirror enabled me to see much more than I could from just peering through the shifting crowd. I could take full stock of the hotel's ground floor security. Two pairs of rovers in the crowd, two guards on either side of the immense, elaborately etched double doors that closed off the main ballroom, and one guard beside the concierge desk. That one had the air of authority, likely the watch commander. Kaze was so focused on the guards that he paid little heed to the raven-locked beauty at the opposite end of the bar. She was quietly flirting with a uniformed hotel worker beside her, coyly playing with a rogue curl as she smiled. If Kaze had been watching her more closely, he'd have noticed that her outward manner wasn't mirrored in her eyes. Vendetta Black is also at the bar in like this slamming cocktail dress, talking up some guy at the bar, but I'm also like keeping an eye out. What potential are you using? Probably lion eyes. That's my fast talk. So there's a bar hunk that has uh, <laughs> taken a shine to uh, Vendetta Black. So there's a detail. How many other? You got one more detail? I get three. I think that's when the mark comes in. Those who are not playing are still active participants. So you guys can throw out ideas, but the person whose turn it is can veto ideas and stuff like that, too. And you can also spend uh, stamina to intercede into somebody's turn. So Marco walks in. He walks in from the kitchen. There's a back door. Hunkster McSqueezy is... Um, McStudmuffin. McStudmuffin. He's chatting you up. Go ahead and... Let's just call him Brad Pitt for short. Roll your lion eyes and let's see how this goes. I needed a five. On ineffective. Ineffective. That means the opponent gets to set. So I have a question. Does that mean if we're competing with each other and you fail and like, yes. she would roll? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, that means the person <laughs> you're rolling against gets to determine. Right now she's doing it against an extra, but if she were doing it to a player, then yeah. that player gets to determine. The complication is wardrobe malfunction. Oh, shit. <laughs> so what that means is you're talking and you see the Mark walk in. You're like, there's Marco. And then that's when you realize you're having a wardrobe malfunction and people are noticing. Well, let's just say that one of your straps broke. You're starting to get exposed and you're going to have to do something, either spend stamina or an action to repair it. Otherwise, you're going to attract some attention, unwanted attention. The person who goes last chooses who gets to go first in the next round. Aaron. Mr. Runsitter, what potential are you going to use this time? I will do determined. How many uh, details do you get with determined? So it's a D6 and I get two. Calling details actions is kind of a misnomer. You do whatever you want. When you introduce a detail, that's usually when you're doing something to affect somebody else or you're adding something to the setting or to the story. So you walking to the bar, doing whatever you're doing is okay. Once you start to manipulate the story, that's when you have to spend detail. So do you just get your details or do you have to actually pass the... You get them regardless. So one of my details then is that I'm going to say to the guard after I get punched and after he says, are you okay? I said, yeah, but I could really use a whiskey after that. And he's going to let me in. That would definitely be a role for a complication. So this is your determined, which is a D6. What's the target number? Three. Okay. And you're just rolling straight up. Oh, I got a four. Got a, got a four. Okay. That exceeds your target number. Do yep. dice explode in this? No, but if you roll maximum on your dice, then see, like I could use what are called challenges, which is a, a game master has. I could throw a challenge in there and affect your roll or somebody else could affect your roll. But if you roll a maximum, nobody can touch your roll. There's a difficulty three. It uh, was effective on an even number, correct? Yes. So you create a complication for the target. So the complication is that he now feels sorry for me. And he's okay. going to go ahead and let me in. I am so sorry, sir. Don't worry. We'll handle this a lot. You just go inside and get yourself cleaned up. Here, have a drink on me. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Runsitter slipped the guard's lacquered chit into one of his coat's many inner pockets and stepped through the threshold into the Hotel Hunan. The lobby of the Hotel Hunan was more extravagant than its exterior. Broad-based marble pillars stretched to the high-arched ceiling. Diffused electric light from the alcoves above mixed with the soft glow of hanging red lanterns gave the expansive room a hauntingly intimate feel. As I made my way through the lingering bodies that clogged the lobby, I was struck by a welcome sight. The man whom I'd been trailing for several months. The man whose golden box held the key to my salvation. Marco Portoon was gaily stacking multicolored chips onto a gambling table, smiling and laughing as if he didn't have a care in the world. I considered just walking right up to him and asking him where the box was, but decided that discretion was likely the more prudent tactic. I stepped into the bar area and fingered the chit out of my coat's inner pocket and pointed to a random whiskey bottle lining the mirrored back wall. The droopy mustached bartender eyed me for a moment and then took my chit, replacing it with a tumbler filled halfway with amber liquid which I had no intention of drinking. So all three of you are now at the bar. There is a Studley McHunkerson next to a woman with, looks like her dress is about to fall apart, and then... Clint Eastwood with a samurai sword. And Clint Eastwood with a samurai sword. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me, miss. You seem to be having a um, wardrobe malfunction. I look down. Oh my, oh my God. And I kind of... Oh, don't be embarrassed. I'm oh my God, I'm so... I am embarrassed. I'm very embarrassed. What potential are you using? For that, I was just like reactionary. I'm not necessarily holding on to my dress. I'm not fixing anything yet. Because in game terms, what we're talking about here is you either don't give a damn, really. You could use that actually as uh, part of the distraction if you wanted to, but you're definitely drawing attention to yourself. Or you could impose a complication on yourself one-handed because you're holding your dress together. Or you could use your action or you can use a stamina to get rid of this complication of wardrobe malfunction. So you see this this guy standing there and he's got like this little tinker bag of tools and shit like that just underneath his coat. Hey. My entire trench coat is just full of, of things. Oh my god, uh, so I'll take some string from it and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, thank you. And you might I, want to use a safety pen. So I use some of his stuff and that'll yep. be one of my actions. Okay. Because I'm still kind of schmoozing this guy. Still so, doing the lion eyes? Yeah, so okay. I'm going to... So you get three actions. Keep lion eyes okay. going. So, so one of your details is safety pin fastener. So now you have a patched dress. You have erased that complication. And you have two other details. You can just keep going with your action until a detail emerges. Thank you so much for your help. My name's Vendetta. That's an odd name. It's the one I was given. No, no offense. No offense. I, I, I'm Mr. Runsitter. Well, thank you. And I handed back his little bag of goodies. Well, this has been embarrassing. Brad, how about we go spend some money and go to the gambling table? Oh, okay. So you're trying using your lion eyes to get him to maybe yeah. bankroll your gambling addiction I'm okay. this, this I'm, underpaid uh, yeah, hotel sure, guy sure. maybe he gets an employee discount or something alright go ahead and roll your lion eyes are you adjusting it with anything <laughs> can I adjust it with my near nip slip <laughs> stamina I guess. with a stamina yeah so he just got a little taste <laughs> got a little taste of what's, what's <laughs> and, to come and okay. some more so that gotcha. would give me that would bump it to a d10 Motherfucker! <laughs> and there goes PG-13. And there's another three. No, we just get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> she used it for the night. <laughs> uh, and it's an odd number, so he gets to choose. He gives you the complication, white on rice. He thinks he's in like Flynn. He will not leave your side. <laughs> for the rest of the night. And actually, I will spend one of my challenges to up that from just a complication that lasts a short period of time. He's actually going to be attached to you for the rest of the scene. To the point where he may even like complicate things if you get into a fight. He could be like in your way or trip you up. Kind so, of a benefit. That's so what I was going for. It succeeds. You know, it doesn't fail. 
Well, hell yes. Arnie's calling Kino today, too? It's my lucky day. Then let's go. Is there just one gambling table or is there multiple? Kino. A Kino table. And then there's a roulette table. Okay, there you go. And where's the mark sitting? You said he was... He's going over to the roulette table and he's betting big. Ooh. And use my last detail. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, Kino's boring. Let's have some real fun. Let's go to the roulette table. Wherever you go, he's going. You're leading him by the, by the nose at this point. Roulette it is. I smiled warmly at the gullible loaf. As good as you look, I considered actually using him for more than a distraction, but the fancy quickly dissipated as my mission focus returned. Right then, a hush fell over the chattering crowd that rippled in a tangible wave. I glanced over my shoulder as I sat beside Bran, and there she was, Kiki, descending the stairs like a cat, grandfather's lunatic assassin and bodyguard. If she was there, Asako Tom was nearby. Whatever was in that box Marco stole had to be worth quite a bit if she was handling the exchange. I watched as Kiki glided towards a far corner of the lobby, a blind spot that I didn't notice before, to the man lurking there in the shadows, Kilmore. And now whose turn is it next? I think it's going to be Kaze's turn. I'm moving towards the casino portion because I see him, but I've also seen Kilmore, and I see her coming down the main stairs. Guess keep it cool. Well, it depends on what you want to do. That's kind of what you want to do on this turn. She's coming down, and I'm going to see if I can position myself to maybe hear or overhear what's going on or what their plans are. So still keeping it cool. Yeah. Okay. So that gives you three details. Kiki walking down the stairs is a big one because now she's in the scene. You see her coming down the stairs, and she locks eyes with Kilmore, and she's headed straight for him. You're going to maneuver yourself so that way you can kind of get within earshot. Yeah. Okay. So that is definitely a roll because you're trying to do it without being seen. That's a two. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that's an even. So At least you're going to come up with your own complication. Right, so it is ineffective with an even number. You choose the complication for yourself, or nothing happens. In his preoccupation with keeping an eye on the legendary bounty hunter and the assassin, Kaze didn't see a fur-wrapped, prune-faced woman step in front of him until he had already bumped into her. The collision was innocent enough and far from violent, though from the woman's overreaction, it seemed much worse. You clumsy oaf! Watch where you're going. Ma'am, I'm sorry. It's fine. Like, Does she like spill something on herself? or? No, she's just making it a bigger scene than it needs to be because it was a matter of me just bumping into her. Okay. So you have eyes on you now. She's drawing it out for attention she- for herself. It's not drawing everybody in the room. Used to be a respectable hotel. I just cannot abide all the trash grandfather has been allowing in here lately. Oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am. Tip my hat and excuse me. Ma'am, I'm so sorry. Well, let me make it up to you. Let's uh, have a seat over here and see if you're okay. Fine, fine. Just don't touch me. Your one detail was Kiki walking down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Your second detail was you were maneuvering yourself so that way you could overhear this thing. Yep. You succeeded, so you're close enough to hear, yep. but you drew attention to yourself because you bumped into the woman. Your third detail was spent placating the woman to get the attention off of you. Because if you would have done just another detail, then she would have been squawking or whatever, or right. the guards would have been watching you, thinking maybe you were a pickpocket or something like yep. that. But you used up one of your details to kind of get rid of that. You do overhear what they are talking about. Kilmore, I trust you have a good reason for making Grandfather wait. He's not used to having his task delayed for so long. You're fortunate that he's more patient than I am. Spare me your threats. I don't have to explain myself to you. The girl's dark, cold eyes locked on his as her hand wandered to the coiled bracelet on her left wrist. Kilmore's lips twitched, his closest approximation of a smile. 
Hold it, little girl. I'll take it from you and stripe your ass with it. In front of all these people. I see you brought the man grandfather wants. Did you bring the rest? I did. It's here. Good. The reason for my delay is, well, there are others seeking Porchin and his box. <sighs> we knew that. Our spies reported that each of the cities had an interest. Rust is keen on getting him back. Xan tapped one of his top men. The general sent a murder vixen, and Kartep... The barbarian whelp and his nursemaid were handled. The others, however, harassed me the entire way back. Individually, they aren't much to speak of, but now... Yeah, they're all here. In Hunan? No, in this hotel. Her detail is she is now finding out about what's been going on. And her second detail is going to be she sends a signal to the guards uh, in the room to be on alert. Kilmore is going to use cold professional. He's trying to convince her to have the guards stay out of it because eh, reputation, man. It's an eight, so he needs a five. It keep your bully boys out of it. I'll handle them. No. Your incompetence let Grandfather's enemies right to his door. And you want me to stand aside and watch you endanger him further? My men will handle this. Now tell me where these people are, or Grandfather will know of your failure. Eight o'clock. The dark-haired woman at the roulette table with the boy toy all over her. Three o'clock. The hobo at the bar. And the man sitting right behind you. Eavesdropping on our conversation. Marco... Rolls his lucky bastard to pick the right. Ding, ding, ding. A max. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. He oh puts my it all God. on he, double lot. He puts it all on double lot and it comes up double lot. Oh my God. Guards, they are put on alert. As you look around, you see that the ones in the room put their hands on their shoulder holsters. So now they're ready to throw down if need be. It's a new round and I'm going to send it right back over to Kaze. How many guards are in the room? Ten. Ten guards, a master bounty hunter, and a psycho killer bodyguard. Okay. Um, and us, Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes. How is, how is this room a set up? A bartender. How's this room set up again? And Mr. Magoo. <laughs> it's like a lobby, but... Like. Yeah, it's a lobby with a with a side room, like an open side room where there's gambling tables. As far as like the desk, is that center of the room? Sure. Is it against a wall? or? Sure. Okay, so I'm walking towards the guard near the desk. I have my hand on my hilt. I'm not ready to draw, but I've got my my left hand on the, the scabbard of the sword, and I've opened the blade. I quickly slice through him, like I cut forward okay. and go past him and then kind of roll over the desk onto the other side. Which potential is this? I'm assuming natural born warrior. Right? Natural born warrior. Okay. Now, does anything else go into this? Because I do uh, have a... You have your your weapon, right? I have a clan katana. Which, that what does that do? Increases the raise. So it raises your dice. So this would be a D8. Okay. How do you know how much, or how does damage? Whatever you exceed the target number by, that's how much damage you do. If it's a one-handed weapon, it does a base one. If it's a two-handed weapon, it does a base two. Take my chances. Okay. I rolled a six. You did base one, three over? Three over. Yeah. So four damage. So four damage onto a guy who has three hit points. The entire reason that I even did any of that is because I noticed not only was that guy getting ready to probably pull on me, there were guards coming towards me, and that's why I did it ahead of time. So yeah, after I cut through that guy and jump over, they're definitely shooting. So bullets are... So now there are definitely guards with their guns drawn at me. Uh, let's say 
two of them. So two of the guards drew on you and fired as you killed their buddy and flipped over the other side. Yep. Now you get to pick who's next. Eric. A hail of bullets rain out as Clint Eastwood with a samurai sword flips over the desk and there's two guards firing. That attracts everybody's attention. People start to rush trying to get the hell out of there. Kaze, they're shooting at you. Mm -hmm. The other guards are going to shoot at you as well. But number one, you have cover, which is going to downgrade their dice. But there's also a crowd of people like running past them and things like that. So that downgrades their dice from, let's see, their potential is called Grandfather's Teachings. So that's a D6. It's downgraded to a D4 because of your cover. It's downgraded uh, again because of the crowd. Minus one for each step below D4. At a D4 minus one on their shots. And I'm going to say there's three of them available to shoot at you. So their target number is a three. They're at a minus one. So they essentially need to roll fours on their dice. Yes. Two of them rip into the desk. One of them accidentally shoots one of the guests. (laughs) (laughs) It was the old lady that you were talking about. Yeah, it's the old lady I was talking to. (laughs) Kiki runs like at a full sprint. She jumps up onto tables and she sprints from table to table towards the concierge desk flips upside down and as she's upside down a barbed whip it was wrapped around her arm like it was an armlet and it's got a hook on the end of it and as she's flipped upside down over you she swings at you with her whip it's normally a d8 so the difficulty's five but it's stepped up to a d10 because of her special whip and she gets a one so <laughs> that's an ineffective with an odd you get to choose her complication the weighted hook blade on the tip of the braided metal whip flew at kaze's face but abruptly halted as the door beside him suddenly opened, shielding him from harm. The wooden barrier cracked loudly as the blade bit through it, becoming lodged firmly on the opposite side. With an effeminate squeak, the door's opener fainted cold and crashed to the polished slate floor. Having landed in a ready crouch, the assassin glared at Kaze, fury smoldering in her eyes at the man's luck. She gave the whip a sharp tug, intending to loosen it from its hold of the door. When she met resistance, her eyes strayed from Kaze's. The complication you give her is whipless. She uses her last detail to wrench it free. Kilmore, he knows who's who. He sees Kiki going after Kaze, so he decides he's going to take care of some other business, namely some Vendetta Black business. Shit. I interrupt. You can. You haven't acted yet. And so I can take my turn. Yes. All right. You spend a stamina, you can interrupt. You see him reach underneath his coat, and underneath the armored duster, he pulls out a sawed-off shotgun. I'm going to continue using lying eyes. Brad, we need to get out of here. Where can we go that's safe? Then my role is going to be, I'm going to turn to Marco. Follow us. If you succeed on a lying eyes and convince this Mark to leave the room with you, you would get a point of honor for that. And then once you get a point of honor on this Mark, then he can't shake off your inception. Because this is an inception rule. You're lying to the guy. You're trying to make him believe something that's not true. Motherfucker! So you get to choose the complication or nothing happens. Let's say the complication is other people heard it. And so now there's like, I'm followed by more than just the two people. You're getting more than you bargained for. Instead of three people stealthily sneaking off, we have a crowd rushing for the fire exit. We leave exit out of the room into a hallway. My third detail is going to be breaking off from the crowd. So you're getting rid of the complication. Because you attracted the crowd, now it goes back to Kilmore's turn. Kilmore saw where you went. He was drawn down on you, and you interrupted, and you drug um, the mark with you. So he sees where you're going. So he uses one of his details to tail you. So he's going to roll his cold pro. Uh, It's a D8, so he needs a five. 
He rolls a seven. He knows exactly where you're going. He knows where that hallway goes. So you go out, you shake the crowd, you go out into the hallway. You're now in the hallway and stepping out a dark doorway is Kilmore. He's already rolled. His other detail can't be a, a shot. But he's gone for that. So he steps out. He's got the room sweeper in his hand. That's far enough. Oh, Mr. Kilmore. I'm glad to see you. There's people shooting in the lobby and... Uh, oh, no. I have forgotten my money. When you came out into the hallway, he's blocking the only exit to the hallway. Your general's a smart man. Sending a woman on this mission. Most decent men wouldn't draw down on a lady. Unfortunately... I'm not a decent man. But then, you're no lady. Not a lady? I see Kiki, who I know, Oh yeah, busy with this gentleman, who I don't know. Don't know, but you pretty much figure what's going on. I see my Mark walk out the room with the girl I was talking to earlier. I see Kilmore disappear in the back. I am going to use knowledge is the key to power as my potential. And my detail is that... I know the mark doesn't have the box on it because the box is the size of a huge chest. So I'm going to go back in the kitchen where it came from and go look for it. I actually have an ability here that says armed with facts so I can create knowledge-based resources. So one of my resources is that I know the box is big. In the kitchen, you see some of the kitchen staff are like hiding under the metal preparation tables and things like that. As you walk in by the back door, you see this large golden box with a guard. I'm going to act like I'm leaving. Is the guard going to try to stop me as I'm running towards the You haven't the rolled the dice yet, have you? No. Okay, so you can do a dice rolling uh, detail. Knowledge is... Uh, well, what I was going to say is, knowledge is the key to power is I'm going off of that he would think I'm a scared citizen sure. running out the back door, and then I'm going to get him with my sword cane. You know that he probably thinks that you're just some scared, witless buffoon, and you come running past him and completely get him off guard because he doesn't even consider you a threat. It's a D6, but I, can I do I still get to use the... The sword cane bumps it up, right? Yeah. Okay. I needed a three. I okay. got a six. A six. I get the, behind him like I'm running out the back door, and then I... Run him through from behind, huh? Yep. What a gallant guy. <laughs> and I have the box. You have the box. Time slowed as Kaze squatted behind the thick desk, watching Kiki wrenching her whip free. I am going to use ambidextrous and I'm going to attack her and also shoot somebody else. With the Noble Warrior, I can target one other opponent without complication. My target number was three. I got a five. Weapon does base damage one, so one, that's yeah. three total, right? It's a, yeah, it's a revolver and then the sword. You did three damage to Kiki, <laughs> and then you did three damage to one of the guards, which drops it. I shot him right in the head. Your sword goes into Kiki's side. So what's your other detail? In my head, I was thinking, since there's a desk on the wall, it kind of has like an overhang, and the overhang is a, a balcony where two staircases go Sure, absolutely, it. absolutely. I'm actually going to get onto the counter and do some sort of like acrobatics to get above. So I'm going to try and get away from her. You're parkouring up. So to... I'm, yeah, I'm going to try and parkour up to the banister. You have an agility thing. What, do, what is that? Uh, Grace, Grace of, of a cat. cat. Yeah, it makes it to where I can do uh, things like that without spending stamina or with complication. See, so that means you can do it without having to roll. She swiped at you with her whip. It went through the door. She pulls it out, turns. You stab her in the side. Do like a one step jump and kill a dude as you flip up on top to the balcony a satisfied sneer appeared on Kilmore's face as his hand moved to the grip of his shotgun GM spends a challenge to interrupt you can spend a stamina to interrupt my interrupt 
I have Do to. It. I have to. Okay. It is your turn. All right. I'm going to shoot him. What uh, potential? signature gun. Oh, uh, it's called Soldier Girl. I'm going to pull the garter gun and I'm going to shoot old boy. It's a signature weapon, so it bumps from a D6 to a D8. D6 to a D8. And then I get a flat plus one because of trained to perfection. Trained to perfection, right? You could spend a stamina to bump it from a D8 to a D10 if you wanted to. Right now, your target number is three. I'm rolling the D8. Five. So that is two over. It's a base damage one. So that's three points of damage to kill more. Can I say where I shot him? Because he's a, he didn't drop immediately like a, an extra would. You can actually give them a complication because of the wound. Shoot him in his shooting shoulder. Kilmore spun as the round tore into his right shoulder, causing him to release his grip on his scatter gun. Marco, get away from him. He's just trying to collect the bounty on your head. Bounty? There's only one exit out of this hallway, but I'm going to say that there's a room. A room's not exactly an exit because you can't leave out of it, but I'm going to go in a room. I'm going to open a door and I'm going to use my key power in the shadows to disappear. To disappear. Kilmore steps up. You jumped into the room. He looks into the room, does not see you. I mean, he's not in the room. He just looks, he steps up to the doorway, looks, doesn't see you. What he does is he grabs Marco and he goes back into the main room. Did you see that, Mr. Kilmore? She just up and vanished into thin air. The legendary hunter, one hand on the shoulder of his charge, stepped to the cowering hotel worker, kneeling beside the door, leading back to the lobby. Kilmore jammed the barrel of his shotgun under the man's chin and forced the man to look up at him. You helped her, didn't you? After all Grandfather has done for you. Please, no. Kiki gritted her teeth in pain as she reached over to shred the shirt of the unconscious man at her feet. The fool didn't need it as badly as she did. As she tied the strips of cloth to staunch her bleeding side, she pointed to the balcony above her, growling at the guards who peered at her from over the desktop. Kill him, you fools! Looks like there's going to be four guards shooting at you. They are at D6s. I got two maxes, a four, and a five. D6, I need a three. So that's two stamina, base one, three stamina, base one, four stamina, and another four stamina. Oh my god. That's all of them! Yeah, I'm dead. You are out of the scene. You don't die unless you choose to die. You're just down. Standing in a cooling pool of blood, Mr. Runsitter studied the large golden box, noting every detail. I'm going to use my clever potential. I am going to spend a stamina to use anything could be a resource. Grab a knife and a fork from the kitchen, and I'm going to pick the lock on this chest. Go ahead and make your uh, anything's a resource roll. I don't have to roll for that. You just spend a... Oh, okay. Spend a stamina. And uh, what potential are you using? The clever? Clever. Okay. So then I'm going to pick the lock on the... Okay, that's a clever roll. But you get to pick the... Oh, you, you fail? No, I passed it, but it says on a... On a success. Even oh. on a success... I get to choose the... De- the, the target com- chooses complication for, for yourself, so I guess you're the oh, chest. Oh, I choose... Oh, I'm the <laughs> chest, right. The complication is gives up the goods. It actually lights up as it opens up. And inside is the curled up form of Belidia, your daughter. Is she alive or dead? She's alive. She's just in stasis. So what that means is you have achieved a goal. That means you get a milestone point. I smile knowingly pull out the two train tickets I bought earlier, pick my daughter up, and walk out the back door. And I close the box. 
I stepped through the kitchen door and out into the stormy night. Gunfire popped from somewhere inside the hotel, which only caused me to walk with more urgency. The blowing wind made the rain stab ice picks into my face as I stopped to label Lydia down. I removed my coat. She was naked and wouldn't tolerate the elements for much longer. I wrapped her up and began to lift her again when I noticed her open eyes staring at me. Father? It's me, my darling. Daddy's got you. I knew you'd come for me. Remember? I, t- I told you you would. The train tickets, you, you brought them? I did. How long has it been? How long was I in there? Ten years. Ten long years, my light. This has been The Golden Box, a screenplay High Plains Samurai production. Music by Ben Sound and Machinima Sound. NPCs portrayed by the Openly Gamer actors. Edited by Eric Osley and Dan Helderman. Written and directed by Eric Osley. Screenplay and High Plains Samurai are properties of Broken Ruler Games. Open the Gamer Theater is property of Side Tangent Productions and a proud member of the RPG Academy Network.